an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Oh, yes, living the dream once again on a fabulous Saturday. Harbin and Schwartz from the Fox Sports Radio studios. It is a final for Saturday. We have three schools with a combined five losses on the season and one school that has a lot more than that. And yet there they are with the big boys in the final four. And I don't know if you know this, uh, Jeff, but uh, I'm a UCLA grad. Well, that's right. You do know that. Yeah. yeah. I do know that because my parents are UCLA grads as well. All right. So I got to get get this out of the way. So the tip-off of the first game, Houston and Baylor is coming up here in a couple of hours, followed, of course, by UCLA going against the monster in this uh, Final Four, and that is undefeated Gonzaga. But I just got to ask you again. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. As a UCLA fan and someone that's followed UCLA all the way since the wooden days, you know, when you're you're that old, I mean, you remember the wooden days, okay? And I said after they beat Michigan that at least for one tournament run, this is the greatest achievement 
any UCLA coach has ever pulled off. And that includes 1980, which was a very similar year what Larry Brown did with a fourth-place team. Uh, In fact, they had the exact same record going into the tournament that year, 17-9, and as this team did. But to me, this was more extraordinary because this year's UCLA team lost their really their best player before he ever played a game at UCLA, the Knicks kid who decided to bypass UCLA to play in the G League. Then you lost your senior leader, Chris Smith. You had your other big man, Jalen Hill, walk off the team for personal reasons in January. You lose four straight games to close the season. You're lucky just to be in the tournament. You got to play in the first four. For this team to get to where they are right now, I said, is the greatest achievement ever for a single tournament run by a UCLA team. But I don't know how your parents were watching that Michigan game. I know how I was. And that is, I didn't believe for a second <laughs> UCLA was going to win the game all the way up until Michigan's last shot because we saw them literally lose yeah. with half a second to go on an inbound play against Stanford. So I, I, my mindset watching the entire game, literally to the very last shot, is they're going to lose this game. So when the shot missed, I even paused for a second like, I can't believe they just won this game and they're in the final four. So I'm just curious on your parents being prominent UCLA people, what were their thoughts or what are their thoughts of of UCLA being in the final four? Well, my dad just kept texting me like, oh my God, I can't believe they won. Um, but you know, I grew up a Bruin fan. Like I, I know the history. Yes. Um, you know, I was, I, I, I mean, look, imagine your favorite team as a kid. That was me with UCLA, right? I went to every game, every football game. We had, we had season tickets. I went to, uh, to plenty of basketball games at Poly Pavilion. I wore a UCLA sweatshirt every day in high school. It's the only sweatshirt I think I owned. Right. Like I, I just, that's what I loved was UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy to see them back here. But there's so many things that are so interesting about this. First of all, is that this is the first time I think in history of any sport, a Cinderella team is like the most storied yeah. program in all of the sport, right? Exactly. I mean, their 19th Final Four, they've won 11 championships. Now, they've only won one in the last 40 years, but they played in back-to-back Final Fours with with, with Ben Halland. Three in a row with uh, Ben Halland. Uh, oh, three in a row with Ben Halland, two championship games. Right, uh, uh, one championship stretch. game, and they won championship game semi-semi 06, 07, 08. Go ahead. Okay, perfect, yes. So, um, you know, they, they've had some success, but not you know not quite the, no. the, the winning success. But still, nonetheless, a, an elite program in college basketball. And I think what is... Um, made me appreciate this run more than anything is they've actually done it a couple different ways, right? So you mentioned the mission game, defense, mm-hmm. right? They played outstanding. They could not buy a point outside of Juzang. He had 27 of 51 points, 28 of 51 points. Right. They could not buy a point Their bench scored zero points. Zero points. Jules Bernard started 0 for 8. Tiger Campbell, he hit finally hit a 3. He ended hit a 3 in like two months, it felt like. Um, and so they want to kind of a slow... A slow pace game. Then against Alabama in the Sweet 16, they scored 88 points. Yes, the game went to overtime, but they, you know, they had, they scored a bunch of points in that game. They had multiple guys score. They in that game too, they had a, a big lead at halftime. Alabama dwindled the lead. The Bruins built it back out. Then Alabama hits that three with really terrible defense by UCLA. Um, and then, and, you know, in overtime, most of the time, if there's a big favorite, Alabama was a big favorite, and they they sneak in overtime. 
that overtime period, the favorite plays much better, right? The favorite wins in the end because they're typically more talented and they're used to the Bruins blew them out in overtime. They won the game going away in overtime. So they've won many different ways so far this tournament. They bullied BYU all the way back in the first round now, right? Because they played Michigan State and right. they played BYU. So like they, they've won different ways. And that's why today against Gonzaga, I can't count them out. Yes, Gonzaga is is fabulous. They have not they have not lost a game. They have not even won a game by less than ten points in months. Um, but I can't count UCLA out because I keep doing it and they keep proving me wrong. All right, so here here's some key stats here, and one of the reasons we're leading off the show today because you have to understand this. We're going to give you the benefit of Jeff Schwartz, who takes his uh, gambling seriously. Okay, so this I is do. a man that does a lot of homework before he decides on whether or not, A, I'm going to bet on a game, or B, what side he's going to take. So the the key stat for UCLA in these five wins in a row, and you talked about finding different ways to win. That's absolutely the case. Well, one common denominator is the lack of turnovers. I mean, they've had eight or less turnovers in every one of these games. So Tiger Campbell, whose offense has come and gone, the one thing he's been able to do is take care of the basketball. Yes. They've also been knocking down free throws at the end of these games, which wasn't really par for their course for this UCLA team. By the way, that's what happened with that 1980 run where UCLA was not a good free throw shooting team, and all of a sudden they knocked down every free throw. Plus, it's been a benefit to UCLA that their opponents are missing their free throws oh, the at Bruins the end of the game. They played, they played outstanding foul shooting defense. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. Foul shooting defense where, you know, they seem to be getting the right guys to the line at the end of these games, and they just are missing, and they're missing free throws at the end of the game. But they have been able to ugly these games down. And one way to take a team down to your level is, is to just ugly it up and get them completely out of rhythm. One of the challenges about playing Gonzaga, you talk about UCLA finds different ways to win, that's Gonzaga. You know, Alabama was really dependent on that three-point shot where Alabama was a 44% three-point shooting team during the tournament. They shot 25% against UCLA. There really is no weakness for Gonzaga. They can beat you inside. They can beat you outside. And UCLA got in some early foul trouble. That was going to be the knock against Michigan. The Michigan bigs are going to just tear them apart. And the refs certainly didn't do any uh, benefit to UCLA. I thought Cody Riley picked up a couple of quick fouls that really weren't that serious. He's always in foul foul trouble. Well, he is. And And now you bring in some guy like... Kenneth Nuba, who has scored a literally two points this entire season. He played his most minutes he had all season. 20 minutes in that game. But that's Michigan. That's not Gonzaga. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I bring it out there because the line in this game is 14. Keep in mind that Gonzaga's won 34 games in a row over the last yeah. two years. But they've won 27 straight games now by at least – Double yeah. digits. So fourteen. If I if I'm just standing back, you know, I don't have a horse in the race. I'm looking at that number like, wow, that doesn't seem like a whole lot when you're looking at these two rosters here. So what I want I want to get this right out there right now. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand? Is this a game you like? I know you stayed away from Gonzaga as a 33 point favorite in one game. They ended up winning by 45. Yeah. You just didn't think it was too many points. Are, are you are you looking at this game? And if you are, which side are you leaning on? Gonzaga minus fourteen. 
Well, a couple things here. Um, you know, one is, um, you know, the, I did bet Gonzaga against USC. I thought that USC's time was kind of up, and, and we saw that it was, right? Gonzaga played right. so well in that game. And here's what I look at as far as the Bruins' ability to, to muddy up the game. And we saw at the end of the Michigan game, they were they were really able to do that by offensively slowing everything down. Sure. Now, the, the problem is when you do that, and they're going to do that again. You know, Mick Cronin, if, if you notice, he's the visiting team. So he gets, I think he has to choose what, which, which way he wants to play mm-hmm. on the court. And he will, he will want his offense to the bench in the second half. Because if you noticed against Michigan, about the last 12 minutes, every time Campbell dribbled the ball up, he'd go over to the corner yep. where Mick Cronin was at, and Mick would call the play. And, you know, I, I had Earl Watson on my radio show this week. He's like, Mick is like a sixth player on the court at that moment. He's telling guys where to go, what to do. Now, Against Gonzaga, you can do that if you score points after you do it. Against Michigan, though, it did not work, right? They didn't score points. Now, Michigan couldn't score either. Right. So the idea of what UCLA is going to do now comes down to obviously executing offensively. And it's been tough for them at times to have two guys kind of in that 20-point range. If they get that, and Gonzaga is not known for their defense, right? They obviously are great on offense. If the Bruins can get two guys in the 20s, okay, mm. and kind of everyone does the rest what they normally do, they have a chance to, to cover this 14 and a half. Well, I that's like either going to have to be Bernard or Hawkes. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Bernard is capable. He could not are. have shot any worse. I, yeah. Remember that air ball he threw against oh, Mission? Was he was bad. trying to say that he was hit on the elbow. Yeah, and the guy close. wasn't even three feet yeah, of his elbow. I, I, and, and the thing about. Um, you know, uh, we, you know, um, uh, Hawkes, yeah. you know, part of what's, uh, what I think is he had a couple big games during the tournament. Yeah. And I think teams are now just right up in his face. He can't kind of, he kind of, he kind of can't He's get not loose really anywhere. an offense. Look, he, no. he does everything. He's a shoot. He's a he shooter. He is a hard player. He's really the heart and soul of that he team. He dove on the toughness. floor in that game. He, that? He'll do that. But I mean, he had that one game where he scored like 27. That's not, he, he's yeah. about 11, 12 point score. That's so where he can, normally is. If, I'm, I'm curious early in the game if Mick Cronin tries to get Bernard or Hawkes kind of more involved mm-hmm. and just try to try to get him, you right. know, get him like just a couple good shots just to get him. Because if those two can kind of get going, Jazang will get his. We've shown in the tournament now, he'll get his. So, look, do I, do I, do I think the Bruins win? No. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to win. Look, the things are looking up in the Pac-12, right? We have two teams in the women's championship, Stanford, Arizona. Arizona won yesterday. They were a 13.5-point underdog against UConn, controlled the game the entire time. So maybe there's some Pac-12 mojo here. Wow. I, I like... So you are, you're leaning to maybe wagering something on this UCLA-Gonzaga game. Yeah, no, I did. I, I bet UCLA plus 14. Wow, there it is. Um, Taking UCLA plus 14. Oh, I I went and watched <laughs> the other day. I, after the after the Bruins won, I went to the gym the, the next morning. I pulled up 1995 mm. Arkansas USC highlights, uh, USC UCLA highlights, and watched them. Watched Do you know the where I sat four. for that game? So 1995, uh, I'm at the Final Four in Seattle at the Old Kingdom. And I didn't even go to the semi-final game against Oklahoma State. I, I, the, the, the press seats were lousy, and I thought I, I just really I, – I felt like they were going to win that game against Big Country Reeves, which they did. But now it's championship game time, and I called my dear friend Sonny Vaccaro, and I said, Sonny, got to get me a couple of tickets. And he goes, they'll be waiting for you. I'll put it this way, the way they configured the old kingdom for this championship game. If you could say, all right, where would you want to sit? 
Where do you want to sit? That's where uh, my tickets were. They were literally dead center court, 20 rows up. Coach Wooden was sitting a couple rows in front of me. I was actually sitting next to uh, Norm Stewart, the Missouri coach UCLA had escaped on that Tyus Edney running the length of the court against Missouri earlier that year. I literally had perfect seats in what turned out to be a perfect day as UCLA beat Arkansas the win championship. That was like a dream day for me. Can you imagine? That's fantastic. It was That's where I sat for that championship game. All right, uh, we got a lot of ground to cover today. We'll get back and forth. Got plenty to talk about with that Houston-Baylor game as well. But we're going to switch over to the NFL and how a wild rumor could have a major effect on the upcoming NFL draft. Coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion. And I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who've ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Marion on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the – Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me – You don't want to see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Steve Harbin, Jeff Schwartz here in the Fox Sports Radio studios. So the NFL draft is coming up. What's the exact date on that, Jeff? What is the exact date? End of April. I think the 29th. 29th. So it's coming up later this month. And as always, you know, the the one thing leading up to any draft, and a lot of this is gamesmanship, and you understand how this works, where you start floating things out about certain players, maybe to hope that they'll drop a little bit or... Uh, you know, you rise. I mean, we get all kinds of rumors circulating. A lot of these are coming from teams and understand how this works with the NFL draft. Everybody has their own draft board uh, and no two draft boards are the same. So one team may see one thing and another team sees another thing. Uh, but, you know, you, you, the little gamesmanship is part of it yeah. as you try to, you know, focus in on how are we going to get the guy we want in the draft. I want to go back to uh, Dan Orlovsky, who was, uh, of course, a NFL uh, analyst for ESPN. And he made a statement because there's been all this talk about Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, why, uh, at least on some draft boards, He seems to be dropping, and Dan Orlovsky really dropped a bombshell. I have heard that he is a last guy in, first guy out type of quarterback, like not the maniacal work ethic. I've even heard it compared to Justin Herbert where it was like, dude, when Justin Herbert showed up, it was like a psychopath when it came to working to get ready for the draft or or even at school. Like, give me more. I want to work nonstop. And I've heard that there are some questions with Justin Fields' work ethic. All right, so before we comment on that, Orlovsky did come back later to try to clarify exactly what he had said. I have heard those things from teams, um, and they might feel that way. And um, this is also a season where teams are trying to say things to potentially get a guy to drop to them. And so I've just wanted to clarify and put it out there that, like, listen, over the last 24 hours and more digging, that it seems or it sounds like Justin Fields' work ethic is fantastic. And that's coming from two people who have, who have worked directly close to him. All right, so one of those that really took offense is former Ohio State quarterback Kirk Herbstreit, who just blasted Orlovsky for reckless uh, commentary on rumors that he has heard about Justin Fields. And again, when you're in a position like Orlovsky, where you are a analyst for a major sports network and you say something, there will be people that listen to that. So I want to get your thoughts, Jeff, right now yeah. on uh, where we stand as far as the Orlovsky comments and how it may affect Justin Fields in the upcoming draft. 
Well, first off, it's not going to affect them at all. Um, but you know, there are, there are teams obviously that feel that way because they've told Dan about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I think you can make a fair argument that maybe Dan should have called over to Ohio State and asked them about it, which he ended up doing afterwards, right? Um, but you know, Dan's hearing this for a reason. It's not like Dan just decided to make this up. So, um, you know, obviously teams feel that way, but obviously people at Ohio State feel 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 differently. And 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 I come to this conclusion a lot of times when it comes to the draft, especially this time of year. This is like. It's major uh, disinformation time and just boredom time, right? Like we're at the point now where it's, you know, people are like, well, is Zach Wilson better than Trevor Lawrence? Is, you know, Panay Sewell, the, the, the offensive from Oregon, is he really is he really that good? Like all the things that we have said now for two years, we are now going back on because everyone's bored. So they're trying to find ways to have new talking points. And it's very easy to get one person you trust to tell you something wrong, and then you repeat that, right? Because that's just the way this information tends to go around in league circles. But I know firsthand how one person with their misinformation can mess with somebody's uh, stock. And this was not a, not not in, in the draft. I don't think this will mess with Justin Fields, but obviously Dan is, is hearing this. Um, when I was a free agent in 2013, I was coming from the Vikings, and I um, – had an offer to go to a team. And considering the year I had in Minnesota, uh, we got a decent offer. I didn't have a great year in Minnesota, but I got a decent offer. And I was about to sign the offer and go to this particular team. And their general manager said, hey, man, I heard Jeff is a bad locker room guy. We're not going to sign him. And look, you can say many things about me and my play. You can't say I was a bad locker room guy. That's not true. Never been true. Um, I talk to coaches still, friends on the team, uh, people in the front offices. Like, I, there's I'm not a bad locker room guy. Never might. That's not, not at all we can say about me. But I knew where it came from. One offensive lineman who didn't like me, who had um, a lot of sway in the organization, kind of probably complained to me, to the, the O-line coach, the general manager. I didn't really get along with him. Uh, we weren't friends, and that got that got back to the general manager, and the general, and you know, this other team called the GM and said, "Hey, tell me about Jeff Schwartz," and that's that was what was repeated, um, and so I ended up going to to, to the Chiefs that year. Um, and what what's interesting about the whole story is that in the end, after 2013 happened, and I played fine, and I was a big free agent again, I went to the Giants. The general manager who passed on me apologized to my agent, said, "I said I got bad information," so. It can happen like that. One person. It was one person. I know exactly who it was. I'm not going to say who it was, but I know exactly who went upstairs, complained about me, and how that got out to a potential team that I was going to sign with. And with Justin Fields, it's a little different because it's the draft, and he's got plenty of other coaches that they can vouch for him. I had no one to vouch for me. Um it's way more serious than a second-tier free agent signing. So um it, it, that's how quickly things can happen within teams, not not because the media says so. There was no one out there saying, hey, Jeff Schwartz, don't sign him. He's a bad locker room guy. Um, but this is why I kind of, I just don't believe some of these things unless I hear multiple people say them. Well, you know, it, it's just, it's tough because if Dan was told by one person that he trusted, hey, I'm here in Fields as a bad locker room guy, well, that one person might not really know. Well, I, you're 100% right. And then the thing you said at the very beginning, does it affect his draft stock? No, because no team is going to move 
Justin Fields on their draft board based on rumors through the mouth of Dan Orlovsky. Um, Everyone's doing their own research. There's also this other thing going against Fields right now, and this is also unfair, and that is when you look at the Troy Smith, the Terrell Pryors, the Cardell Jones, the Dwayne Haskins, all Ohio State quarterbacks that had success who didn't pan out in the NFL, that you somehow lump them in with those. I keep thinking back to Texas Tech quarterbacks. You know, they put all these prolific numbers up. No more had bigger numbers than Graham Harrell, and and then none of them had any future in the NFL. And suddenly you look at Patrick Mahomes, and some people were lumping him into that group. Blah, blah, Texas Tech, I mean, really, come on. They all throw for a million yards and everything else. Chiefs ignored that, and, and look where they are right now. So I, I think that in this, you know, when, you, when you're investing this kind of money uh, in a quarterback – and, and again, you have to be careful of this because if you take a quarterback in the first round, then in three or four years when they're up for their next big contract, then you got to make a decision. And we're seeing that's a mixed bag to say the least. Uh, so you have to be careful here. But I think we're at the stage now around the NFL, Jeff, where, you know, no one's going to rely on one source on anything. You know, Justin Fields ultimately is going to be taken by a team that 100% believes that he's going to be a franchise quarterback. Like, there is no doubt in their mind if they, you know, taking him in the first round that they believe at some point he's going to be a franchise quarterback. And so that's, you know, that's how this basically operates. Yeah. Um, Look, I I think it's very clear, and I don't don't know Fields at all. Um, I... I just know what we've been talking about the last couple of days. Um, but what I know is the work he put in to, to have the Big Ten play football, mm-hmm. the way he played through the injury against Clemson. Um, I think there's many other things you can say as far as, you know, the way he, he may write, might read a field or go to option one verse two, the actual football things that, that might knock him down. And there's many evidence that that's not the case either. Than character things like I, I saw something yesterday too with Panay Sewell, who is the left tackle at Oregon. Uh, he's he just he's immature. He's twenty years old. Yeah, he's twenty. He's probably not as mature as as a twenty two year old offensive tackle. Like like yes, that's probably true. But the idea that like that's a now red flag and it becomes a talking point. Like this stuff, man. It's I think I think it's because Steve, it, this time of year we have talked about these guys. Endlessly, as the draft gets closer, we'll do it even more, and we'll do it even more, we'll do it even more, and it just gets to the point where people don't know what to say anymore, so they just go with a new talking point. It's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we say paralysis by analysis, right? And 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 some team that may have believed in Justin Fields may pass on him because, of, and look, we've seen this so many times. I don't know. There's a guy in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, that went on a free fall down the draft board for reasons still unknown. Reasons still unknown. Okay, so he wasn't going to be the number one overall pick. Alex Smith was that, but how does he fall that far? And a lot of it is just, you know, did you hear this? Did you hear this? Did you hear this? And the next thing you know, the Packers uh, find a pot of gold. All right. We got much more on the other side, including a decision made in Major League Baseball that is causing a whole lot of controversy. But first, let's find out what's trending right now. We bring on David Gascon. Man. Yeah. That's a great story with Jeff. I mean, it sucks, but it's a great story to it's talk about. It's a great story. It, it just yeah. happens. That's the way it works, man. Yeah. My, I mean, first thing I think of is okay, you think I'm a locker room cancer? 
Go talk to the running backs or the quarterback I blocked for. Mm-hmm. It's just it, 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 it sucks. I know, and I know exactly who said it. Yeah. And it's just it ended up being well because I went to Kansas City and I had a much better year than I probably would have had the other team. But it's just ridiculous how how that stuff can just fly very easily. Did you ever confront the player? I've never talked to him. I don't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't remember the story till this. This was brought up. Like I just. I don't talk to the guy. That is wild, man. Check the damn tape, right? Exactly. Oh, awful, awful. Um, guys, Major League Baseball right now. I got a handful of games that are being played right now. Yankees got a home run from Gary Sanchez. It was a solo shot. They lead Toronto 3-2 in the bottom of the sixth inning. Yankees do have a runner on at first base. Orioles double up the Red Sox 4-2. Tigers still 2-1 lead over the Indians. That's in the home half of the seventh inning. Royals on the board, but they trail Texas 4-1. It's the Cubbies with a 3-1 advantage over the Pittsburgh Pirates. In the National Hockey League, Bruins 6-4 over the Penguins. They scored five times in the second period. Nashville 1-0 over Chicago. And Tampa Bay just defeated the Red Wings. 2-1 was the final score. College basketball, Gonzaga, UCLA tonight. Baylor and Houston before that. That ball game, Baylor's only a five-point favorite. Zags 14 against Steve's. Bruins. Well, you heard what you heard what Jeff said. Know, He's know, all in on the Bruins plus fourteen. Yeah, yeah, should be interesting. I don't I, know if I'd go that way, but I'm hoping he's right. <laughs> I just want a good game. I mean, you do. I, I thought that way about the, both the Alabama and Michigan games. Like, you know, let, let's see if they can hang in there, okay? So, at least in the second half, we could still be talking about a game, and they ended up winning both those games. So. It'll be wild. Good luck to you and your uh, Bruins tonight, Steve. Unbelievable. All right, well, David, thank you very much. Uh, Steve Hartman and Jeff Schwartz with you. All right, so... I want to get to this Major League Baseball story, and I do not want to get into some political uh, speak here, but I, I I have a problem with how a decision is made, okay? And l- let me explain this. So if you haven't heard, Major League Baseball announced yesterday that it's going to move the 2021 All-Star Game out of Atlanta uh, in response to this new Georgia law that has some of the civil rights groups uh, very concerned about voting restrictions. Okay, yes. this is the new voting laws that were passed. And by the way, the MLB draft, which was also going to be held as part of the All-Star Game festivities, will mm-hmm. also be relocated. So I'm going to read a statement by Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, and also a response from the Braves. Uh, and I'll paraphrase a little bit here, but Manfred basically said this, look, we engaged in thoughtful conversations with clubs, former current players, everybody, and we decided the best way to demonstrate our values as a support is to relocate the game. And he said, Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. Now, again, you can interpret these uh, laws any way you want, But I thought the Braves' response to this was, look, this was neither our decision or our recommendation as an organization. Yeah. And somehow we are being penalized. So it wasn't like the Braves came out because this is their game, their fans, their all-star game. We're not ones that came out to openly endorse this, but somehow we're being victimized by this. And this is something that's always irked me about the NCAA, where they level sanctions against schools after the fact. Like, players are being penalized for things that happened before. And so this is why I have a problem with this decision by Major League Baseball, because 
Who are they penalizing here? They end up penalizing the Braves organization. And by the yeah. way, we're you know we're only a few months away from the All Star game. You know how much time, effort, manpower is invested in putting one of these All Star right. games together and to pull the plug on them for something they had no direct impact on. To me, seems insanely unfair. Um. There's there's many things here. I, I agree with you that you know pulling it from the Braves um, when they you know they were not part of any of the voting uh, bills that were passed uh, in the you know in Georgia is is unfair to them, right? Um, but the way I look at these decisions, Steve, is is these are big businesses, right? They're big corporations, and when they make these decisions, they they do so, in my opinion, to make money, right? Is it's a money making decision, and this is the same way I feel about NBA or NFL making decisions like this, whatever they feel like helps them make the most money, they're going to do it. And if they felt that moving the all-star game out of Atlanta was the way to go. And I lived through this in Charlotte. I I was here. I've been here when the bathroom bill um, controversy and they pulled everything out of Charlotte. They, they took the, they they took the the NBA all-star game out of Charlotte. They took the tournament games out of Charlotte. I mean, they took all of everything. CIAA left Charlotte. It all left Charlotte. And so I, I felt that as well. It was people that, uh, you know, that we're working those things that need that money that they couldn't have it. So you're punishing more than just obviously the state when you do that or the region. And so that's why I understand the anger. But I look at it like that. Like they're like, you know, when Nike signed Colin Kaepernick, everyone said, Oh, bad decision. And it turns out they made a ton of money by doing so. Like this, this is why MLB made the decision. They think they can make money off of it. And we don't know that quite yet. Right. We don't know if it's going to turn off fans. And, and there's, a, you know, and we talked about this before the show. MLB doesn't really have a lot of leeway with fans, right? They don't have like a big fan base that uh, they can lose a lot of, especially compared to the NFL or the NBA. And you could argue the NBA has been losing fans now for the last couple of years as politics has has been more prevalent in their sport. So that's the way I look at it. Um, you well, know, I, but, but I, I, I want to add one Atlanta. thing. Yeah, yeah, I just want to quickly add one more thing here, Jeff, though, because here's the thing. So we know how politically we're divided in this country, I and mean, that's no secret, yes. whatever side you may be you know, leaning toward. But by sort of giving into one side, now you've only, you know, if because well, we talk about boycotts all the time. So while you may appease one side, now all of a sudden you're opening up for the other yeah, side but, to suddenly say, well, then fine, we're out. I mean, yeah, but I, but I mean, I, you, but you have, when you but, go, it's a very yeah, slippery path. I mean, this and, is why Michael Jordan back in the day said, yeah. hey, Republicans wear sneakers too. He never wanted to get involved in that. And, and some other very prominent celebrities have taken a very similar path. And uh, Tiger Woods being one of them yeah. and 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 so you know but if you're going to take a stand then understand there are going to be repercussions right. I, here's the thing I, I think that you have a largely conservative ownership of baseball teams same as you do in the nfl absolutely and so this decision's not made by rob manford by himself it's made by i would imagine the collective ownership and again it's a bottom line issue if they feel like moving the all-star game out of atlanta is better for their pocketbooks. They're going to do it. If they feel like leaving it in Atlanta was the best way to do it, then they would do that. So the idea that um, that a bunch of you know conservative owners are bowing to one side or the other, it's about money. It's what this always is about, money. And so again, now we can argue if that's the way it should be, but they're doing this for money. They feel like in the end, the financial decision to move this out of Atlanta is better for baseball than playing in Atlanta. 
Well, we're going to find out. Obviously, there were a lot of people that praised the decision, a lot of people that criticized the decision. Uh, they have and taken that's the way a- it's going to be. I mean, that's the, like that's the thing about it. If, if it, it would have pissed off one side or the other, right? And so you got to. I think you have to choose which side it would have pissed off the least, the most. I, it, it's no matter what you do there. And I think if they keep the game in Atlanta, there's not as much outcry than there is. I think leaving Atlanta, right? I mean, it's more news if it, because they left and and they took. By the way, the draft as you mentioned with them as well. Um, it's supposed to you know celebrate Hank Aaron, of course. Uh, so they'll, they'll be back to Atlanta, I would imagine, in a year or two. Um, well, not unless they change their laws. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, mean if they, hap- I mean, if they, then then you have the height of hypocrisy. I mean, if you just if if the if, if if you if you moved it specifically because the laws are on the books, and then two years later the laws are still on the books, yeah. and then you decide to come back, then it's like, well, why? Why did you leave in the first place? You know, we no. I, look, I was very young when uh, when the NFL uh, what they they removed that of Arizona, Arizona for the Super Bowl yeah, because they, they would not uh, make it a holiday, the Martin Luther King holiday. That was back in '91 for the '93 Super Bowl. I remember very specifically. So, what, what was the reaction then? It wasn't positive. Now, eventually, obviously, Arizona got a lot of, but Arizona changed their their ruling on that. Obviously, they honored the Martin Luther King holiday, and so they changed. So my point is, if you change, I mean, what happened in Carolina? Well, they um, they cha- they reversed it, I believe. Exactly my point. So and, and, I mean, and look, if, if if Georgia were to reverse their laws, then I guess yeah. yeah but I, if I, I, I mean, now you've set the precedent by saying as long as this law, these voting laws are on the books, right? You're not going to get anything. Yeah, and and look, there's and by the lost, way, Atlanta is a great city for major sporting events. I've covered many Super just, Bowls, Final Fours. Yeah, I've been there. to Atlanta many, many times. I was there for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. It was it was easy because you could just walk everywhere. Oh, it's you, great! You stayed, it's and a you great to, city for these major events. You walked to Centennial Park, and it was uh, and that's where all the um, I didn't go to the game. Well, and and, and, and what's devastating for Atlanta is you know as everyone's trying to get their economy back up and rolling, and now that there's going to be you know more green lighting of people attending these events, they were hoping that this. This was going to kickstart a lot of businesses yeah. in Atlanta, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and, uh, and so this is—it's uh, an unfortunate situation. And I know one thing: if I were ownership of the Atlanta Braves, uh, who, by oh, the way, pissed. right now are one of the best teams in baseball. By the way, uh, you got a lot of explaining to do. You got yeah. a lot of explaining. Well, to the do. Braves—the Braves did not agree with the decision, obviously. Obviously they, they not, because they like they said, a... we had nothing to do with this. Yeah. This was politicians that made some kind of decision, well, and somehow we're penalized. You know, again, I, I'm just the thing that I'm always curious about. Again, it's just like this is a conservative ownership. Same with the NFL, right? When, right. When the NFL has decided to to do things and with the conservative ownership, you know, they do so because the players want it done or society wants it done. Um, and I think in the end, it's all about making money, and that's what it comes down to. If they felt they were going to, you know, be be hurt more by staying than. Then so I don't know I don't know where the pressure came. I don't think it came from Twitter. To, like, there was no. no one there was no one on social media calling for no. You're, right, you're absolutely moved, right, Jeff. It to was be moved it, out of out of Atlanta. Right. Which, which corporate which corporate entities right. told them to move it? All right. So the political slippery slope is part of it. So is the social media slippery slope. On the other side, we'll talk about how one NBA player got caught and whether or not he should actually have been penalized. Coming up next. Steve Harvey, Jeff Schwartz. Uh, quick story here. Back when I was working PR for the Raiders, and this goes back to the 80s, 
Uh, we made a trade to get James Lofton from the Green Bay Packers, and at the time he was facing some legal charges. Um, and I got a phone call from the Associated Press, Jeff, and asked about any statement, and it wasn't my normal AP guy that I would talk to. Uh, and I told him, because there was questions about whether the trade would be nullified if yeah. he was found guilty, and I said, well, off the record, and I specifically said this, off the record, Ooh. off the record, obviously, um, provisions have been made pending the outcome of the trial. Off the record. I just happened to be in San Diego literally that weekend for the NFL PR meetings. The next morning, uh, my apartment mate, but you know, my buddy that was living up in LA, uh, calls me. I know he found me at this hotel and he's like, dude, your name is all over the newspapers. Oh, no. You're on the front page of the USA Today, LA Times. I'm like, why? So he's reading it said, um, when asked about uh, James Lofton's legal situation, the Raiders had no comment. However, another Raiders spokesman, Steve Hartman, said. Oh, no. And Al Locusau, who is the head of our front office, uh, he wanted to tear my head off. Uh, but he did give me some advice. He goes, if you don't want to see it, don't say it. Now, this was long before there was any social media. But how many times have we gone down this path? where something is done on Twitter or some other uh, social media platform where people have to back up uh, because they have said one thing. Uh, and in this case, we're talking about Kevin Durant, who was in a DM situation with Michael Rappaport, and Rappaport decided to show what he said to the world in these direct messages. And it's 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 ugly. I mean, it is way over the top ugly in fact before we get your comment on this jeff there's very quickly kevin durant have to back in uh backing up on this what's your response to the reaction to the you know the social media messages that were made public on, on get on social media i'm sorry that people seen uh the language i use it's not really what i want people to see and hear from me but um hopefully i can move past it and get back out on the floor all right, so, uh, I, I mean, my reaction is, uh, honestly, if you're a high-profile individual, unless you're trying to spark some kind of controversy, how about just staying away from it 100%? I mean, look, I, I, if you're an athlete spending time talking to anyone on, on social media, you need to find better things to do with your life. Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, come on. You, 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 like, I, and I talk and I talk every now and then. I didn't really do very much as a player because, you know, that I was busy being a player. Uh, Kevin Durant is obsessed with social media. He, he spends is. far too much time on it. Uh, and again, I'm, you know, I, I should maybe shouldn't be the person to tell someone to spend less time on social media, but he just, he just spends so much time on it. Uh, but private messages, and I'm not condoning the language used by Kevin Durant, but private messages should stay private. Look, um, you know, there's been times I've shared them every now and then, and it's been someone like telling me to like kill myself, and I just I typically block the name out. Um, but sometimes those people need to be called out because that. But you know, him and Mapor were talking back and forth, right? They just talk to each other. Um, 
I don't know, man. I just, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just not an excuse. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And, and look, at Rappaport got what he wanted out of it. He got his name tied with Durant and everything else. You know, Durant was trying to make it out. Well, you know, Rap and I have some kind of friendship. And Rap's like, you know, I've known the guy, but not really. Uh, and he was way out of line. But, I mean, Rappaport got what he wanted. He wanted to get some publicity out of it. That's why he released these DMs. And all of a sudden, the NBA comes in and they have to find uh, Durant $50,000. All right. So, I'll tell you what. I, I want to get back to the biggest news of the day. And that is the final four. And you know what? Jeff Schwartz is so clued in on exactly what's going to transpire on this day. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my That's my dance, An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. Roll it along on this final four Saturday. Hartman and Schwartz from the Fox Sports Radio Studios. He holds on. Well, you don't want to foul Morrison. You make him get it over half court. You know you got to foul. And oh. a steal. 
team, Heartbreak City. That was Gus Johnson, CBS Sports, 15 years ago when UCLA made a miraculous comeback against Gonzaga. We remember the national player of the year, Adam Morrison of Gonzaga, crying after that game. It was uh, dramatic. I was actually working for Channel 2 in Los Angeles, sitting there on the set with uh, Sonny Vaccaro waiting to come on after the game. I'm cursing that entire game because it just looked like UCLA had no chance of winning. They were down like nine with five minutes to go. They weren't making any headway. And then a miraculous finish, and UCLA ended up uh, getting all the way to the Final Four that season. So um, there's a little history here between UCLA and Gonzaga. Uh, Already Jeff is on record saying he likes the Bruins to keep it closer than the spread, plus 14. Can I I read a quick quote here? Yeah. In the aftermath of Arizona's upset of UConn in the women's semifinals. I mean, this came out of nowhere. Like, nobody thought UConn would lose this game. And one of the UConn guards, Kristen Williams, said this after the game. She said, let's see if you could translate this into a possible UCLA upset at Gonzaga. She said about Arizona, I think we came out with the wrong mentality. I thought we thought it was going to be easy, I guess, and we got flustered. They had great ball pressure. It was like it wasn't like anything we'd ever seen before this season. We just couldn't get in the flow offensively. And so I'm looking at that quote as, you know, the unbeatable UConn team against who? Arizona. Yeah. And yet they were able to throw something at them that they were just not ready for mentally in any way. And Arizona pulls off the major upset. I mean, if UCLA is even going to keep it close today, they're going to have to throw yeah. something at Gonzaga to throw them off their rhythm. Yeah. Well, it's very clear early in that game last night. I did watch that game, um, Arizona and UConn, because the first one, Stanford, South Carolina, had a fantastic ending last yes. night. Uh, Stanford you know, barely held on, but they they did enough. Um, and I think, just very quickly, I think Stanford does beat Arizona for the third time this uh, uh, tomorrow. But you know, Arizona, from the beginning, like the their defense was outstanding. Their energy. Ari McDonald, who is their superstar, yes. um, has scored the most points in the tournament so far. She had, I think she had 25, 26, 26 yesterday after scoring yeah. 30 back-to-back games. She's fantastic. Um, and they were just in UConn's face. The difference is Gonzaga... I think has had teams get in their face this year and had teams that have, you know, St. Mary's has played good defense against them twice. Like yep. there's been teams that have played good defense. UConn's pretty much, you know, Baylor played them well, I guess, two nights ago as well. Um, but, you know, just kind of has had their way and Arizona just brought the energy. And yeah, hearing your 13 and a half point favorites, if you're Gonzaga, hearing your 14 point favorites, that does. I think way heavily on on the players. Plus, look, UConn has been so good for so long. Arizona, the first Final Four ever. Um, you know, UCLA and Gonzaga are not those programs, right? And so, I think there there's going to be some of Gonzaga. Like, look, this is the Bruins, man. Yeah, they might not have as much talent as they had years ago, but still UCLA. And I think that alone will will get Gonzaga fired up. By the way, I think I have a new favorite coach in all sports. Who is that? Adia Barnes, who is Arizona mm. women's basketball. Now we uh, she her got busted uh, for cursing. Yes. Yeah. Well, no. Well, yes and no. Um, yeah. uh, so she, after the game, and this is the reason why she was so fired up. One, they beat UConn, obviously, but there was a promo for the Final Four that was put out, and it featured South Carolina, Stanford, and UConn. It did not feature Arizona. So afterwards, they caught her in the huddle. 
giving the double bird, saying, you know, screw everyone. And um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought, like, and her team, her team absolutely loved it, of course. Well, she, had she claimed that she thought it was like a private moment with her team. I mean, the camera was like zoomed in on her face. Right. Felt like she didn't know it was there, obviously. But, and, I, and here's what I liked the most she did not apologize for it. No. Afterwards, she said, look, I'm, all right, well, I, uh, I said it, I did it, and I was fired up. Oh, well. And that was the end of it, and I, I like that she did that. So, uh, good luck to her. But as it relates to the game tonight, obviously, you know, a thirteen and a half point favorite uh, goes down. UConn wasn't even close last night for most parts. So, no. I think there's opportunity for UCLA. I just think Gonzaga, oh man, they're so good offensively, and and well, but, but they want look at the one thing about Gonzaga, uh, they want to they want to go up tempo. And I go back to their regional final against USC. You know, after the game, Annie Enfield, the uh, coach at USC, really was in a state of shock. And the reason he uh, was shocked at the one sided nature of their game against Gonzaga is he's like, we've been playing really good basketball. Like we've been playing our best basketball of the year going into this game. So we walked on that court fully confident that we could, you know, match up well against Gonzaga. And when it came to a transition game, they're just on a different level. I mean, they 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 can get up and down the court. They got two point guards that can get the ball up and down the court. There is no weakness. I mean, when yeah. you think about it, their three All-Americans were third, fourth, and fifth in that game in scoring. So that's the kind of depth yeah. you have with Gonzaga. So, again, if you're UCLA and you pointed out earlier, Jeff, how – you know, at the end of the game against Michigan, where you got Tiger Campbell, you know, looking right at McCronin and basically getting instructions on what is our what's our offensive attack going to be on this possession and really slowing the game down. Yeah. I don't know if they can do that against Gonzaga, but if they are able to get them out of rhythm, at the very least, it gives them a chance to stay in the game. Here's the thing, and I. I... I can look it up. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I know Ken Palm has a bunch of stats. You know Gonzaga's basically two point. I mean, you know, two point defense because right. what UCLA is going to do again, they're going to try to slow the game down, and, and they can do that. They they can easily just walk the ball up the court, take their time on offense. But the issue will be: Are they going to put the ball in the hoop when they do that? Because if they don't. They don't put in the hoop. It doesn't matter how much they slow it down because Gonzaga will, will take the rebound, two passes down, slam dunk, three passes, shoot a three, you know, four passes, throw to Timmy. Like they're, they're gonna, they're gonna get theirs. It's a matter of UCLA. If they slow the game down, they have to score in their half court offense. And we saw against Michigan, that was a struggle. Um, and so, and I, you know, UCLA to me doesn't strike me as. Um, you know, an offensive half court juggernaut. No. So, so and no. That, that's, and, you know, they're going to need guys, like we mentioned, they're going to need Jules Bernard to not start 0 for 8. You're going to need Riley, their center, to, to stay out of foul trouble and to stop shooting 15 foot jumpers. That he <laughs> Air never balls? Makes. Yeah, yeah, they, exactly. They, they well, and they stop. need a, a guy like Singleton who had the big overtime against yeah. Alabama. He had 15 points in that game. I mean, again, you, you need a you need a miracle here, right? You need not only as a team UCLA to play your best game by far of the season, you need Gonzaga off their game. Correct. Um, and that is the only combination that's going to work if the Bruins are going to have any entertainment of, of what would go down as one of the all-time upsets, certainly in the NCAA tournament, if an 11 seed, a first four team. Now, remember, UCLA is now the fifth 
11th seed to get to the Final Four. There's no been higher seed ever get to the Final Four, and all of them have lost in the semis. Okay, none of these 11 seeds have made it to the championship game. Um, you know, so I look at it as as a Bruin. I, I sit there and I think, all right, how can they pull this off? I have no scenario in my head, none, zero zip. I don't have, I have no thought pattern of watching UCLA walking off this court. Uh, with a victory against Gonzaga. But strange things have happened over the years. There's a reason why we haven't had an undefeated champion since Indiana back in 1976. We had that Kentucky team a couple years ago. They ran into a veteran Wisconsin team, but that that wasn't that much of an upset. I mean, Wisconsin was a really good team. They had been to the Final Four. So they they had that kind of experience. Um, but this is this is a different this is a different beast. Um, I want to get spend some time on the other side though, getting to the other game, which by the way is tipping off in less than an hour. Yeah, Jeff, and that is Baylor, who all season long was right there with Gonzaga. I mean, for yeah. most of the season, we had two undefeated teams at the top of the rankings. It was Gonzaga and Baylor. Baylor would drop a couple of games. Scott Drew has done an unbelievable job in rebuilding that program. They've been close, but now they have finally gotten the Final Four. And how do they match up against a Houston team that's only lost three games all season long, and they play a powerful brand of defense? They're going to break it down. Baylor-Houston and get Jeff's thoughts coming up next. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Steve Harbin and Jeff Schwartz with you. Yes, we are less than an hour away at the tip-off of the 2021 Final Four. Always an exciting day for the college hoop fans. By the way, my brackets are still alive because my brackets have a Baylor-Gonzaga championship game. And, in fact, I have Baylor winning the national championship okay. in my brackets. I did that before the tournament. Thinking, of course, a lot of people will be going with Gonzaga. So I thought, well, let's roll the dice. Um, but before Baylor can get to the championship they, game, they have to get through Houston. I want to start with Houston right now. Uh, second in the nation in fewest points allowed per game, 57.6. Countered by Baylor's the sixth highest scoring team in the tournament, 83 points a game. So they you got a contrast in styles, which is always intriguing. But when you think about Houston, to me, when I think about Houston, I think about their coach, Kelvin Sampson. Uh, this is a comeback story. This is a guy that was expelled from college basketball for five years after his fiasco at Indiana, the Eric Gordon recruitment. He was banished. He had to go to the NBA to find a job for a few years before he got the green light to return to the college ranks. He took over the Houston job. He's been there now seven years, and he's getting him to the Final Four. But we get back to the the dynamic of defense. Uh, Baylor has faced some good defenses, no question, over the course of the year, but they've not faced anything quite like Houston's defense. So when we start talking about this matchup where you have a prolific offense like Baylor's averaging 83 points a game against a prolific defense like Houston giving up just 57.6 points a game, how does that weigh into your, you know, making a decision on which way to lean in a game like this? Well, you know, to me it becomes, you know, has Baylor seen this aggression so far from anyone? Like that's a big part of this, right? Because, you know, when you're when you're thinking about and you just mentioned, you know, the Connecticut women last night had not seen the aggressiveness from really right. anyone this season. So so you know, has Baylor seen enough of this to get um, you know, to to really know what they're about to face? And that's always the tough part when it comes to handicapping these matchups. And um you know, it's it's um, it, and I think when they played better teams, you know, West Virginia, they only beat by five. I mean, so you've seen some teams play them much closer. Arkansas, a couple games ago, you know, they were they played them OK, uh, didn't cover that game. So I think that, that Houston's D is going to give them a little bit of trouble. I like Houston plus five. Um I think they'll do enough defensively to really get in Baylor and and disrupt them. I think Baylor still wins the game, but I think they can do enough. When you haven't seen defense like this, it's really hard to to just all of a sudden play against a physical defense. We see it in the NFL too, right? When a team is kind of gliding along and oops, they play physical defense. Now the problem obviously is can Houston's offense keep up 
with Baylor. Baylor's the best three-point shooting team in the entire country. Obviously, the best one left now is that it's the same with UCLA. It's kind of the same storyline, right? Is that if they play defense like expected, offensively, can they do enough to keep the game close? Because if Baylor or Gonzaga get out to 10-point leads, it's hard for me to envision either UCLA or Houston being good enough to close those leads late in the game. You know, one major factor in this entire tournament this year, and again, you end up with two number one seeds, two teams that were expected to be there, Gonzaga and Baylor. I mean, they're, they're no surprise. They were the two best teams over the course of the entire season. Houston only lost three games. They're 28-3, and three, okay? The UCLA, you get the obligatory. Now, usually it's like a Loyola Chicago or a George Mason, or it just happens to be UCLA. The name is different, but, you know, it's still an 11 seed. But navigating this tournament without any real fans and just – and I thought that Mick Cronin said it best. I saw the other day I was watching uh, the CBS uh, National Network uh, where they were interviewing all the coaches on practice day yesterday, right, as yeah. the teams are and, – and, and Mick Cronin really said, first of all, just to get here, considering everything we had to navigate through, I mean, I mean – you know, with the pandemic and testing and games being postponed, delayed, canceled, I mean, everybody went through all of this. But think about this. The the Pac-12 started last and doing everything. Right. Like, especially in L.A. County. Stanford couldn't even – the Stanford women, they were they played in Las Vegas for a month this season. The California like, schools were not able to practice. Yes. They weren't even able to practice because of the state laws. You may not be familiar where you're listening right now, but in California – I mean, it was a lockdown while other states were opening up where they could not even practice <laughs> on their right. own facilities. So you're right about all that. But And then you go to Indianapolis, and you had this craziness of 68 schools there. But these kids have now gone three weeks from away from their families. They are, if you don't, their schedule has not changed in three weeks. They are basically in their hotel rooms they go to practice, and then they come back. I saw Mark Few talk about this. He said, and I, it was a little tongue-in-cheek, but he said it's really been like a coach's dream. I mean, you always <laughs> want you always want 100% attention from your team, and he goes, this has almost been the ultimate as a coach because there's no distractions. They are literally in their hotel rooms. I say, all right, time to practice now, guys, and they're just anxious to get out of the room, and they oh, get out in the court and everything else, and then, all right, go you go back to your rooms. That is what they've been for three weeks. Imagine oh, that if, if you're a college kid, especially when it's the biggest show around, March Madness. So um, it's amazing how these coaches have been able, at least the four remaining coaches, I think obviously have done the best job of, of keeping their teams focused um, and, and playing the kind of basketball that could get them to the ultimate goal, which is to get to the final <laughs> four. But I just wonder, again, as we as we embark on these last yeah. couple of games, you know, is, is one team going to be able to say, you know, we, we've done a better job of having to navigate everything that's All gone right, on this I, year to get the ultimate goal? I mean, I, yes, but I also think talent wins out in the end, right? And Gonzaga sure. is just so talented that it's tough for me to see them losing at any point. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, the atmosphere. We had, we had Mick Cronin on, on my radio show, and he joked about how he gets one hour a day of, like, outside time. Mm-hmm. And he just goes and sits on his, you know, outside with his iPad. Everyone just stares at him like, what's this weirdo <laughs> doing just on his iPad, like, by himself? It is, it is like... 
um, you know, a, a quarantine, mini quarantine, oh. a little bit of a, of a training camp vibe. And I think it definitely does bring the teams closer. You know, your chemistry, you have to, you have to like each other to be together for three weeks like this. That's a big um, part. Of and, it. you know, winning helps that, of course. But, you know, I think everyone keeps playing and keeps enjoying this because there's the end game, which is why the NBA bubble worked as well. People said, why not the NFL bubble? Because are you telling me that a 2-14 and 14 team is going to be excited to be in a bubble? Right now, UCLA is like, hey, all right, we're in it for three. Guess what? We're playing the Final Four today. Like, it's worth it to do that in, in the NBA bubble. It's worth it to try to win a championship. And um, they, they are probably having the time of their lives getting ready to play mm. tonight. I saw UCLA got a package from Jordan because they just signed with with, uh, yes. with Jordan Brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gonzaga as, as a mid-major, but also better than a lot of programs that are supposedly better well-funded and better coached and whatnot. You know, they're looking for their first championship, obviously Baylor and Houston, where they are. It's just so there's a lot of storylines, and I think the players are having a blast being able to play in this setup. All right, I want you. You mentioned some of the challenges for the Pac-12 schools. You do a lot with the Pac-12. I do, okay, yes. you you grew up in a Pac-12 family. You went to a Pac-12 school, and you remained very involved with the Pac-12. You mentioned the women's All Pac-12 final, unexpected. Stanford was expected to get there. We knew yeah. that was going to be a great matchup against South Carolina. That could have gone either way, but the Arizona stunner against. Uh, UConn, but I mean, this run by UCLA, really the run by the Pac-12 to get four schools all the way into the Sweet 16. Um, I mean, what does this do for the conference? Because yeah. if we, you know, if you're a West Coast person, you feel a lot of times it's like out of sight, out of mind. Even with modern technology, it still seems like, wow, yeah. you're, the games are so late. I don't get to see anything. This is a problem with football, problem with, with basketball. But what does this do? Can this be a change, a game changer for the Pac-12? Uh, what has happened to UCLA? What's happened to these women uh, in the women's championship game? Is this a potential game changer for the Pac-12? Well, I think what what is look the, the women have been good at college basketball for a long time. Like this right. is not, and, and and the Pac-12 network has kind of helped that as much as the Pac-12 network might have, as might maybe hurt the conference. That's helped definitely expose a lot of the great programs out west. And Oregon had a fantastic chance to win last year before COVID shut everything down. And, and obviously, we're gonna have a Pac-12 champion now. And Stanford, you know, by the way, Tar Vanderveel's you know the the winningest head coach in right. women's college basketball. Like so, he's a Hall of Fame. Yeah, obviously. like so there's. Now the men's side is where is where the question is: Is this a one hit wonder or is this a kind of new beginning for the conference? Remember last year, before COVID shut down the tournament, Pac-12 would have had six teams in, and Oregon was really good, guys, and UCLA was playing maybe better than any team in the country. Yeah, they were at, hot at, at, at the end of the year, at, at, at the end of last year, and I think the Pac-12 would have done some damage in the tournament last year had we had a tournament. So looking forward, I think things are are going up, but it, and not maybe because of the tournament, just because. We're just getting better. If you look at UCLA's recruiting for next season, obviously Mick Cronin is the guy, and they're recruiting at that level. Yeah. You look at Oregon. Oregon has a top a top recruit coming in as well. A big a big kid who they need to get size up a little bit. Um, got a couple guys hurt as well. Same as UCLA. And what this does for us, it starts next season when people rank us next season. It starts out on the right foot. Now we have to earn it again, right, in non conference play. But it starts off as, hey, the Pac-12 had a great tournament. 
here's where I think they should be heading the next season because preseason rankings mean a lot. We know they mean a lot. And money, right? The Pac-12 has generated nearly $40 million off this tournament run. It's a lot of money for a conference that needs money. And uh, I just hope this this turns into next season's college football because week two next year, it's Oregon at, at Ohio State. It's Michigan uh, hosting Washington. It's Colorado and A&M in Denver. UCLA host LSU, I think the week beforehand. Utah-BYU is also week two. USC obviously has Notre Dame. So it's making sure that we carry some of this over to the football side. All right. On the other side, I want to get to the uh, launch of the baseball season. That's right. Our first weekend of Major League Baseball. But right now, let's find out what is trending as we bring on Mr. David Gascon. So you've heard it from the master there, Jeff Schwartz. He says, take the dogs and the points today. Man. Yeah, take Houston plus five. Take the Bruins plus 14. Your thoughts, Gascon? Uh... Well, you've been you've been riding Gonzaga all the way to this point in the tournament so far. Well, it's hard to go against Gonzaga. Yeah. It really is. But, I, I mean, he, he's uh, mainly Jeff's thinks. Uh, yeah, I like the dogs and the points in both these games. With the way that Gonzaga's operated this entire season and the fluidity of their squad, just depth wise, I feel like they got more in the tank than UCLA does. And I feel like in this situation. I'm, I'm going with Gonzaga. They've they've done it the entire tournament, and like you have mentioned, they've been foot to the floorboard from the, from the opening get go, and they haven't looked back. I guess I guess the big question when we talk about a big spread like 14 points, Jeff and David, is a, a game like that can get completely out of hand if the other team just sort of says, "All right, you know, we have no answer." I don't envision that with UCLA, like. But they've even been, if you know, even if even if they're Michigan State, like they've yeah, been down before, they just seem yeah. like even if it's obvious they're going to lose the game, I don't see UCLA just sort of waving the white flag. Like they'll play hard till the end. But the, okay, but you're, you're talking and they about, could steal something against the spread. If but you're talking I'm about completely different teams, so you're Michigan State and yeah. I mean, oh, I know. USC. I mean, USC didn't give up in the second half, no, but they, they still got the, blowers, the doors blown yeah, but, off of them. But they don't play I, defense quite like UCLA, though, which is the, the big difference, I think. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, USC does have size, and they do have some superior talent to UCLA, though, and they still got beat up by 19 points. So. All right, so you're taking Gonzaga minus 14. I, yeah, I, I got to take the points. All right, we'll see which one of you uh, comes out on top on that. <laughs> I, uh, man, I I mean, I, if UCLA is going to cover, win the whole thing, right? Like, you know, don't win the, don't cover the spread, win the money line. Uh, that would be uh, yeah. obviously that be the story of the NCAA tournament. They have been the most profitable underdog, I believe, in a long time. Like a money line underdog in the tournament in a long time. Yeah, 11 seed. Uh, I did read some guy out of Vegas uh, did put a ton of money on UCLA getting to the Final Four. Wow. Yeah. Six, 16 and 14 against the spread this season mm. are the Bruins. Yeah, but much better in the tournament, I would imagine. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Cover uh, every game. Um, guys, uh, away from that, those games will tip off later on today. You got Houston and Baylor will tip off in about 45 minutes from now. Houston and Gonzaga is at 8, 8.34 Eastern. Uh, Major League Baseball, you guys have gone there, so we'll get to it. Yankees 5-3 lead over the Toronto Blue Jays. It's in the home half of the eighth inning. Orioles beat the Red Sox at Fenway 4-2. Boston 0-2 to open up the season. And the Tigers just beat the Indians 5-2 was the final score. Royals have scored 10 unanswered. uh, 12 hits against the Texas Rangers. 10-4 right now is the count. Braves and Phillies just underway 
from Philadelphia. National Hockey League, Nashville to Chicago, nothing. Bruins get the bit of the Penguins, 7-5. They scored five times in the second period. Steve, did you see earlier in the week that the Buffalo Sabres had won a game? I did see that. They, they yes. broke their 18-game <laughs> losing streak. Oh, yeah. brutal. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, you, can, uh, you can talk when we have John Paul Morosi oh, on boy. tomorrow, JP. You can get into the uh, depth of that. Yeah, you got uh, time now, what, for your, your, your Padres, right? Your San Diego Padres? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned the Padres. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to mention them. Uh, David, thank you very much. Once again, Steve Hartman, Jeff Schwartz with you on this Final Four Saturday. It's also the first weekend of the Major League Baseball season. Some interesting sights right off the top. How about Miguel Cabrera in a snowstorm oh, hitting a home cool. run? I mean, he had the full-blown snowstorm going on. He didn't even know he had hit a home run. I think he lost sight of the ball. He slid into second base. Slid into second base. They're like, no, they actually went over the wall. Uh, so that was a great sight to see. Um, but I, 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 I can only cite an example uh, using San Diego because that's where I am during the week. The Padres had their opening day on Thursday. And the rules in California permitted them to have a little less than 9,000 fans uh, in the ballpark. And one of the prerequisites, obviously, and by the way, the Padres did all the necessary precautions. Let, let me make that clear. Uh, in fact, even in the pregame introduction of the players and the, you know, the normal opening day festivities, yeah. everybody was spaced out on both teams and everything else. But the idea of the fans being in seats and they were in little pods throughout the ballpark, again, about 20% capacity is that you have to have your mask on unless you're actually eating something or drinking something. But it was a hot day in San Diego, really unseasonably hot. It was like mid-80s. And, and you're sitting there. I know, just perfect, right? And anyway, so you're sitting out there. You know how it is on a sunny day at a ballpark. You've had a few of those, Jeff. You're hot, you know? And the last thing you need is a mask on your face. And I can tell you, by the end of the game, and this game was over three hours long, as uh, Melanson came in to get the final out for the Padres, everyone's on their feet. No one's wearing a mask. Okay, no one, no one's wearing a mask. They're done with the mask at that point. And you know, we we we're going to see how this. I mean, this is real, and it, it was the largest gathering of people yeah. in San Diego in 13 months. So everyone's like, you know, how's this going to look? And apparently, California is going to the orange levels they like to say, which could open it up to 33 percent capacity. So. As much as we're watching, you know, Major League Baseball sort of navigating, you know, the these uh, uh, the the players and and trying to keep them on the field, we also had the crowds, which we had none in baseball yeah. a year ago. I know we had a situation uh, in the NFL where certain stadiums had uh, fans. This time yes. we have fans everywhere, and it should be an increasing number yeah. over the course of the season. I'm so I'm anxious to find out, Jeff, how this is all going to work out as more and more fans are given the green light to head into these ballparks. The the question I've thought about and I've and I've talked about on different shows and, and I think that maybe me and you're in the same boat here is like would you attend a game? And I think I would. If uh, outside I I'm not worried about it very much. Right. Um plus I I will have my full vaccine as well, which obviously plays a big role in, in how you determine whether or not 
Uh, my, my second shot is, is Monday, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, Good luck, it, by the way, it, on Monday. I had my second shot on the I heard, 13th. I heard, 13th, it, so. I heard it's a, it's it's a, a little doozy. rough. It's a little rough. Are you doing yeah. Moderna or Pfizer? What do you got? Pfizer. You have Pfizer. I have Moderna. So, yeah. yeah. I, so I, I've, heard different, I've heard different things. My wife had Pfizer. She's a, a nurse. She had it way back and she had it months ago. Um, yeah. And so I, I have basically Tuesday, I think, sort of off. So right. <laughs> in case I get I've little, already taken little, the day uh, off for my radio yeah. show the day after my shot. In anticipation, Good. yeah, that's so whatever. Oh. So, but um, but I think that that obviously that that will you know change how we do. But I'm I'm curious about the attendance this summer. Mm-hmm. Are yeah, more people going to be excited yeah. to go to ball games? Are more people going to? I'm watching the Cubs um, uh, Pirates game just because I bet on it, so it's on right now. And <laughs> um, you know they're seventh inning stretch and they're right. taking me to the ball game. And and did you go with the Cubs? They're up four one. I, I have the over. The wind's blowing out 15 miles an hour. I have a, a system set up for. Wrigley field overs. Yeah. Uh depend on, on the wind. I would imagine you need some help right now. I do. I need lots of runs. Yeah. Uh so let's make it happen. But everyone look everyone looks happy. Some have mass, some don't. I mean, you know, if you're drinking a beer, you have one all you have one off, obviously. Uh but it's nice to see fans back on the head. It makes me feel like we're getting over it. It makes me feel like things are turning back to normal. And so I think this year. Steve, college football is going to have record amounts of tailgating and attendance. Yes. I think people are going to be nutso to get out of these college towns, go to games, enjoy life as as they did before the pandemic. You know, the NFL, NBA, I, I have no idea if they're going to be any different. You know, the NBA is adding fans. But the Lakers get their first fans. Yeah, soon, so right? uh, the, the uh, Lakers have announced that they're going to let fans in for the first time. The season's almost over. Uh, April 15th, uh, tickets will go on sale. Again, very limited because obviously indoor restrictions are far more stringent than the outdoor venues. But, I mean, if all goes well, that means there will be some fans at Staples Center. And this would hold true for the Clippers as well, obviously, uh, and the Warriors, uh, all the California teams, as far as the postseason is concerned. I, and, I don't think and, the Warriors are going to be much in the postseason there, buddy. Well, they're, I mean, they, they, boy, they lost ugly the other day. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you don't have Steph Curry in the lineup, yeah, 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 yeah. I think they lost by 40. Um, but, I mean, yeah, but this is this is going to be a process. And, and the question is, even if you give them the green light, just how comfortable are you? Now, watching the fans that I saw on Thursday opening day, uh, no one seemed to be uncomfortable. Everybody. The only problem they I, did have a little glitch yeah. in the food situation. So the idea was you had to get this app on your phone, and you would have to order from the app, and then they would buzz you when to pick up your food. Right, right. It seemed to be confusion of exactly where to pick up the food. So they they, <laughs> they were mess. showing up like here I am. They're like, who are you? And they're like, what did who you order? You? Who are you? What did you order? And then you have to show your phone. It didn't. Yeah, you know, like a few glitches early on. A few glitches. I, I understand that. Uh, but look, if we go to more like, you know, uh, contactless delivery and, right. and less credit cards and, and more Apple Pay and iPhone Pay, I, I think that's great. But I just think we're going to see more fans than usual this year at a lot of sporting events because people will be excited to get back outside, to be around other humans, to enjoy life as it was before the pandemic. And, you know, there's obviously the Rangers have a lot of full capacity. I think, I don't think they're, I think they're in Kansas city, so they're not, they're not home yet. Um, I'm curious to see how many people show up for, for a Rangers game and that, uh, well, that opening day where there are no restrictions. That's a, that's yeah, but they're in Kansas city, right? Right. Right now they're in Kansas city, but the Rangers home opener, they are saying that they're going to have 40,000 fans plus for their home opener. Uh, and, uh, of course, they that was denounced that by money, several people. They, and, they spent all that money to make their stadium look like a barn. 
It's quite it's quite impressive. Um, so I'm excited to see if if how many fans do show up to those games. Uh, that game will be tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Oh, uh, excuse me, on Monday, Monday uh, when they host the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, that'll be a day game. And yes, they have decided that they are going to give the green light at least just for the opening game. By the way, they're uh, they're only doing this for the home opener. They're going to go back to a certain level of you know restrictions on attendance. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but just for the opener itself, they are going to say green light to everybody. That's going. To, I mean, just just the visual of that is going to be mind blowing to a yeah. lot of people around the country. Agreed. Agreed. I think Forty thousand people, people packed side by side. I mean, whether they're wearing masks or not, that is going to be a visual. That we obviously haven't seen in a long, long but we, time. But we definitely saw like the Green Bay Packers playoff game when they were like, "Oh, there's eight thousand people here." You're like, eh, mm-hmm. that's a lie. Yeah, there were like, a few more it, than that. Like, there's so there's there's been other times when. Well, we've how about seen... when Notre Dame fans stormed the field when they upset uh, Clemson in the regular season? Exactly. That got a lot of hearts uh, pumping. Remember that? So there, there's been times this year where we've had more fans than I think. Mm. Were we were told, and it, the games like the Packers game, the playoff game, man, it was loud. It, it looked like fun. Well, they're going to pack it. We're, you are going to see a fully packed Rangers ballpark coming up on Monday. All right. On the other side, I want to get back to some NFL news, Jeff. Uh, some of the fallout about the 17 game schedule, and at least one team ownership that it seems to be coming apart at the seams. Coming up next. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Steve Harvey, Jeff Schwartz. Want to thank the crew today. Iowa Sam. Ooh, baby. Looking forward to these games. Your guy Garza got national player of the year. He's cleaning up right now. Yeah. He's getting everything that he was presumably owed last year. Yeah. He's cleaning up. Yeah. I'm loving it. Unfortunately, didn't even make it to the Sweet 16. I know. Yeah. But he had a he actually averaged 30 points in his two NCAA tournament games. He mm-hmm. had a great year this year, so yeah. he's POI. Uh he gets a lot of awards. Uh David Gascon, as always, he's gonna go up against Jeff Schwartz today. He's going minus 14 with Gonzaga as Let's opposed to Jeff plus 14. Like so. for the record to uh, state that Iowa Sam also owes me uh, lunch tomorrow. Okay. Can't what? wait. For yeah. what? Uh, so Sam's treating all of us to I big lunch. Did I agree to any of this? Yeah. We, remember. we had now, made remember, a, remember tomorrow, uh, TJ Hushmanzad is in tomorrow and he's not going to physically be here. Uh, he's what? in for Am rich. I flying in for food? <laughs> yeah, so there you go. All right. Jeff's always ready to roll. And then of course, lead a lap. There he is. There he is. The one, the only. He has an amazing life. He really does. The thing about Lee is he plays it low key. He doesn't have to really talk about it that much. We just know he. Low key Lee. Yeah. Still going with the flowing locks. Are you going to get the haircut, Lee, or what's the deal? Well, when it gets hotter, I, I think about it a lot more. But, yeah, so uh, I know. Well, the ladies love the flowing locks. Yeah, they it's do. So. All right, very, very good. Um, Jeff, very quickly here about the NFL, the Charger situation. I want to. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I love I, I, it. All right, so here's what what's going on right now. So, so to, to clarify how the ownership of the of the Chargers operates, when the parents died, they left equal shares to their four adult children, Dean being the oldest, so there's a brother and two sisters, and they each get 15% of the franchise. So that's 60%. There then is a separate family trust that controls 36%. Of that, and you have the last four percent, I assume. And the four, yeah, I wish I did. Uh, the last four percent is non-family members, but it's that yeah. trust of thirty-six percent, of which eighty-three percent of that is tied up into the Chargers. And what they've been doing is they've been borrowing money against that trust to the tune of about four hundred million dollars and counting. And this one sister is like, enough, enough of this shenanigans with the trust. Here's where things get really tricky as far as... So you have the Spanos family, again, 96% ownership of the franchise, right? But here's where it gets tricky. So let's say this one sister decides to sell her share. Yeah. Well, the idea is the other siblings could match the offer. Well, let's say that offer comes from Jeff Bezos. Let's say Jeff Bezos comes in because we already know he was sort of, you know... You know, hinting about maybe the Washington football team. So Jeff Bezos comes in and says, "All right, so to the sister, what what's your uh, what's your stake worth?" And she's like, yeah. "I don't know, maybe like eight hundred million. I'll give you three billion for it. Yeah. Three billion. And the other siblings are like, "We can't match 
that. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, then I now I now I've bought my way into the team. And as a matter of fact, I'm just going to buy up the rest. Are you going to turn down? I don't know, six billion dollars. I mean, this is chump change for the world's richest man, depending on what week it is with Elon Musk. So I mean, he could buy every team in the league twice over uh, quite easily. So. This is where it gets precarious as far as the ownership of the Chargers. And the one thing they don't want is to get into a courtroom, Jeff, where they got to open the books. In other words, you get an attorney involved and he says, all right, let's talk about the real finances of what's going on with the Charger organization. And that is another possibility if somehow this gets into the courts. So her her, to. Her sister, his sister, Dean Spinoza's sister, right. um, sued, basically sued him or went to court and said this has to be a She, what, she what? wants a court to demand the immediate sale of the franchise. Ah, she okay. wants a cash out. She has no interest yeah. in having her money tied to a team that has been hemorrhaging yeah. money ever since they made the move to Los Angeles. And if you recall, um, in the filing, she mentioned Jeff, Jeff Bezos. That that right that, that is a possible you know, buyer of of that. What, That's a big what, name to throw out there because it is a again, big name. even if he decided to buy just her share, he could pay enough money to lock out the other siblings from matching the offer. Yes, I am excited for an ownership. Of Jeff Bezos, we're gonna have drones delivering our food. We're gonna have mm-hmm. we're gonna have just like an a, this amazing <laughs> stadium with all these amenities. Well, you'd you have know, Amazon it, it, Stadium, you know that. I mean, he, buy, could, he could literally you, build a stadium with his pocket change anywhere he wants. Does, does he move the team back to San Diego? Obviously, San Diego's attitude about the Chargers is very simple. They would welcome back the Chargers in a heartbeat as long as the Spanoses do not own the team. If Jeff Bezos, they would absolutely roll out the red carpet and show every single spot where he could build a stadium with his own money uh, quite oh, easily. And, there, and there's the key, his own money, right? Because well, and we again, know that owners... So, like even, so $5 even, billion dollars to uh, Jeff Bezos when you're worth $200 billion? Oh, well, I know, but I mean... You know, David Tepper and Charlotte is worth eleven billion. He and he's trying to get you know public money to build. This is a two hundred billion dollar man we're talking about. Oh, I understand. It's a different level. Uh, And so it would be. I think it'd be it'd be nice for the NFL to have you know uh, that money in our in our uh, in our ownership group. Would you be nervous though if you were an NFL owner welcoming Jeff Bezos, who could literally buy out the entire league from being in the room? I think having smart people in the room is always good. I don't know. I might get a little nervous because, I mean, his wallet would be the biggest thing in that room. That's for sure. I understand. Uh, yeah. It could get a little challenging. All right. Take UCLA in the points. Thanks to Jeff Let's Schwartz. Do it. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.